a new documentary explores the ability of music and friendship to transcend hundreds of kilometres of ocean, chronicling chronicling the story of David Bridie's continuing collaboration with Papua New Guinea singer Sir George Telek. Stephen Hill asked the film's director, Rosie Jones, what it was like chronicling one of New Guinea's most important musical performers. Look, he's such a humble person. You wouldn't know that he was Sir George. He's a very down-to-earth person with the most gorgeous voice. David and him have such an extraordinary relationship. You can see they're they're really close when you watch them interacting. They have a real shared sense of humour, obviously the love of music. But to be honest, the most difficult thing about chronicling George's life is the fact that there was very little archive. I think in Papua New Guinea people didn't have cameras, so it was very hard to find any footage of his early life. I'm interested in that. There was a comment that unlike a lot of Westerners that would go over to Papua New Guinea, that there very much was an interaction of equals between David and George. Yeah. I mean, what I find really interesting in the film is it seems like David and, and the band are very eager to be immersed in the Papua culture. How important was this relationship that sort of developed that David and his bandmates formed with the Papua New Guinea performers? Oh, look, I think the relationships were everything. And I know that David was so impressed on his first trip with his sophistication and the depth and the beauty of Papua New Guinean culture. And, you know, they have a massive number of languages and each language group has their own dances and rituals. And so it became very obvious that this was a culture of incredible richness. And I think Lee David and the band went over there willing to learn. They wanted to open themselves up to what this beautiful culture from our close neighbour had to offer and, and how they could create an exchange with what they could bring, whatever that might be, so that the two cultures were equal. So it was incredibly collaborative. I think they had an enormous amount of fun, which you can see in the footage. There was none of the colonial stance that Papua New Guineans had been used to, and so many people describe David and the band members as humble. And they weren't used to white guys and Helen Mountford speaking to them as equals. They were used to a servant-master relationship and so that that was a a big part of the relationship working as it has and enduring. So there's lots of connections between not only David but other band members and people in the community and that they got together as family. That was a, a really important part of the process and it's continued in all sorts of other guises. So you obviously had a lot of footage when it came to putting this film together from the live performance. David Bridie and George Tellick both adapting to their new environments to some pretty remarkable footage of Totoli rituals. Was it a challenge piecing all this together into a final cut? Oh, yes, of course. We were really lucky to get some fabulous archive from people like Mark Worth, who was the filmmaker who sparked David's initial journey, and he'd made a film for SBS about not drowning, waving in PNGs. We had just lots of stuff that David and George and Gideon Kakabin had sourced for the work that they've done on Tolai culture. Fabulous archive researchers Peter Fox and Lisa Savage who unearthed all sorts of stuff and also band members and all sorts of people who've been connected with Not Drowning Waving. It was a lot of work. We had the footage from the original trips to PNG that Jake Coombs and his 
crew had shot. And of course, David and George were fantastic helping with their music and the um, track selection and providing really beautiful atmospheres and so on. And finally, I mean, I find at the heart of the film was this idea of ex- the power of the exchange of cultures and the, the sort of nature mm. of friendship. And I mean, I've certainly had the experience when I was visiting Indonesia. I was amazed by the, the richness of the Indonesian indigenous music. And I'd, 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 I'd often go to the to the Warangs and they'd be there's fabulous music on and they'd be all very polite and they'd, they'd put on the Beatles or something or something some Western music for me thinking I'd like that and we'd sing along. <laughs> but I was just wondering, um, do you think that there's a lot of potential for Australia to be much more involved in, in developing a cultural exchange with you know, all these Melanesian islands and immediate Indo-Pacific area? It's just so much music talent. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think we've barely scratched the surface. I mean, David set up the Wontok Foundation, which he works with people from all around the Pacific, and they all work together on performances and soundtracks and all sorts of different work. Some of it's very political, some of it not, but there's so much potential there. I just think it's such a crying shame that we don't recognise the power and value of working together culturally. There's a lot of focus at the moment on what's going on in the politics of Melanesia and everybody's wanting to exert power, but there's this other way of being friendly and working together that I think is so powerful and that's through music and culture and history and working to appreciate each other's strengths and and putting that together to be more than the whole. Rosie Jones, director of the documentary A BB Butterfly Song, speaking with Stephen Hill. This documentary on David Brighty's projects will be touring as part of the Antenna Documentary Film Festival this February.